Welcome to Everything Imaginable, the podcast for curious minds from KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochileo. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Hoodoo Cleansing Protection Magic, Damien Keller, binaural production engineer, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, and monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. If you are interested in becoming a contributor to the show, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find everything you need there. And now, without any further ado, our guest for today is Melinda Williams. She is a spirit rescue medium and spirit walker. And I believe she also runs an online coven. Thank you for coming on today. Oh, I'm very honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, um, what what got you into um, witchcraft? Well, it's really a long story. When I found my real mom in 2010, um, she was she's Native American, and um, so she has she had the gifts that I have. It's so, all. Um, She's like, what are you going to do if someone comes to you and says, I feel like somebody's put a spell or a curse on me? She says, how are you going to handle that? So then I started understanding that I did need to know about these kind of things, to know what to do to help someone if that has happened to them. So that's how I got into witchcraft is through my, my mom. And she taught me the good way of having to be able to help other people that maybe something bad is placed on them. Interesting. So is there any specific style of um, witchcraft that you follow? Because I don't think there's tons and tons of different types of folk magic and there's Wicca and Druidism and like every culture has its own variation right. of it. Do you, uh, Voodoo, do you have any specific type of, that you use or do you use a combination I, I really use a combination. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned that yesterday on the Coven's website. I put a post about that because there is a new way of witchcraft, which is called angelic witchcraft. And that is where, you know, how in, in a lot of the witchcraft stuff, they call in, you know, their own deities. Well, with angelic, you call in the archangels. So I do use the archangels a lot. Um I do, oh, let's see, there's so many different types. I really pull from a lot of different areas of mm -hmm. witchcraft. So it's, you know, and I don't have a set way of doing things. Like some witch people, they, they look at it and say, well, your altar's got to be this way. Mine's always different. Mine's centered around Native American. So, you know, I just do my thing and what I feel is right. Right. Native American, would that be considered more shamanic than witchcraft? Yes, to a certain degree, uh, because that's one of the ways that I practice is with the shamanic. But the way I incorporate it, I, I make it go in with calling in the archangels. Then I pull from my Native American or shamanic side where I use rattles and, you know, sage and stuff. So I just blend it all together into one 
I don't know what I would call myself. And I, that's why I call mm-hmm. myself a spirit walker is because I combined everything I do and I use everything nearly every day of what I do. So, right. so, so you've been doing this since 2010? Well, I, the, the witchcraft came in about 2010. Um, you know, I've always been able to see spirits and, and I've done rescue work with spirits for most of my life. So the witchcraft part came in in 2010 because that's when I found my real family. Hmm. What is a spirit rescue? Spirit rescue. Okay. So basically what I do is like, say I help, I help a lot of paranormal teens. Um, I can be in the grocery store. And so say there is a spirit and I, I see the spirit. Once it realizes that I see it, then it starts like coming over toward me. And sometimes it, the rescue part comes in and when say someone was in an automobile accident and it, they passed. And so a lot of times they are in shock or disbelief or they really don't realize that they have passed. So I help to counsel them is the way I put it. Mm -hmm. And that is to, you know, explain to them, you know, this is what's happened. You need to go into the light. And I even deal with the dark, you know, dark entities Mm -hmm. because, you know, there have to be light and dark in everything. And so there I have been able to cross over some dark entities and they can do that. And so it's just, I'm there to help souls that has not went through the light where, and to help them to get to that point. Where do the dark entities go? Well, gosh. Okay. So, so basically, um, I'll tell you an example. I was at this haunted location and there was a dark entity there and it wasn't demonic, but it was dark. And so I, I like, I'm sitting there going, I've got to try to help it because dark entities can cross over into the light and what they have to do, they have to realize that once they, if they want to do that, then they will become a blight. They will no longer be dark. And so I sit there and I counsel them and explain to them that even though you're dark, you can still go through the light and that the creator will forgive you. And as you're going through the light, because Archangel Metatron is standing there. And I said, as you're going through, I said, you're having, you need to ask the creator to forgive you that you want to be of light, not of dark. And I said, and he, the creator never turns away anyone and he doesn't. So dark entities can cross over. It's just a matter of you knowing how to deal with that. What if they give you a hard time? They're like, no, I'm not going. Then there's nothing I can do. You can't force them because of free will. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I try to just sit there and try to get them to see the brighter side of things that, you know, if they go through that, it'll be no more lingering here on earth and that kind of thing. But no, I can't force them. So if they say, no, I'm not doing it, then there's nothing I can do. And so at that point I will do what I call a barrier wall. So say it's in a, in a residence and, and people are living there, then I will do what I have to do to, try to get it out of that space. If if that's the case, then once it's out of the space, it usually goes outside and then I fix it so it can't come back in. And then it eventually moves on to wherever it goes. You know, it could go to another home. It could, you know, it's just wherever it goes. But there's nothing you can really do if they refuse. 
What, who is the creator that makes uh, welcomes them back? Well, that's who I call him. A lot of people, you know, people call him God. People call him Jesus. People call him, you know, whatever their religion is. But to me, he's the creator. So he's the one that created everything. So that's being be a Native American. That's what I call him is the creator. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Have you ever considered maybe putting these dark entities like into a vessel? I have done that, but to me, that's going against their free will. Okay. And everything has free will. But isn't putting them outside against their free will too? Not if it's causing harm or chaoticness to the family. Mm -hmm. So say, you know, the ones I've done that to, they were small children involved. And it was really bothering the children and, and the children were afraid. So at that point, I'm not telling him he, excuse me, that he can't stay there. I'm just saying you're not allowed into this space. You can go outside. You know, I cannot, but yeah, because of free will, you're, you know, you can't really send something completely away. Anyway, that's the way I see it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's other people that see it a different way. So, right. Well, I always feel bad for like those type of entities, even if they're demonic. I still kind of feel a little right. But you know, they they have their place. I feel. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. That's exactly how I feel. And it also makes it fun for paranormal investigators too. I mean, I mean, what what would um what's that guy's name Zach? Baggins or whatever. Mm-hmm. What would yes. he do without dark entities? He'd be exactly. He would have yeah. no ratings. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. That that's exactly true. So you know, I feel the same way. Everything has its place. So cool. So how about things like love spells? Do, do you do love <laughs> spells? Like love spells, sometimes is actually a controversial subject because. If for some people, they're making somebody do something against their will. But yet the person who wants the person to love them, they just want love. They think it's just like this good thing. Right. So the way my coven works, we do know love spells. With the exception of, say you, call, you, you called upon me and you wanted a love spell, but it was for you. Mm-hmm. Not bringing in anyone else. So no names like like you don't tell me hey i want mary to love me no we could not do that but if you said i want a love spell to bring someone to love me someone to be in my life but not mentioning specific people then that's okay because we are doing it for you to bring it to you but not a specific person Mm -hmm. that's where you get in trouble is if you're going against someone's free will so that's really the way my coven does it. Okay. Do you do any um, like curses, hexes, crossings? No, no, no curses, no hexes, nothing of dark, nothing of dark. No. Um, basically, if someone emails me or something and says, I feel like I got a hex on me or a curse on me, then I, I can handle that. I can remove that from them. But as far as placing them, no. That would be automatically you're out of the coven because we don't do nothing of dark. Mm-hmm. So your coven, it's online? 
Yes. How does that work? You know, like I know when I, you know, um, you know, my idea of a coven has always been like, you know, you know, 13 women gathered under a full moon dancing around the fire with no clothes on, you know? Okay. <laughs> like, like, no. So, so how's the online coven work? Well, basically uh, we use StreamYard. Mm-hmm. And so we all can see each other. And then you have the option. If you don't want us to see you, then you don't have to let us. And so any rituals that we do, we do it that way. So we're all seeing each other. Then we have the lead person, usually a high priestess that leads the ritual. And so we just do it by being able to see each other online. Interesting. And so, so how's that work though? Like, I don't know. Like to me, it sounds like it would be like a little bit confusing. Like everybody trying to, re- no, remember what their part is in a ritual when doing it online, rather than doing it on, when you do a ritual in person. Usually, there's some cues, so you kind of know when right. and what to do. But if you're doing it online, like I don't know, do you do you send out like you know an outline of the ritual beforehand or something? Yes, we we uh, whoever's doing it. Like usually, we have one person. And usually it's led by a high priestess. And and so then that person, like, we're having one on August 1st. And so the I'm, I'm the owner and a high priestess. Then I have another high priestess. So she's going to lead that one. So she writes it all out, and then she sends it out. She even puts it on our website so people will know what to expect. And so she's the one, once the ritual starts, she has the floor, so to speak. Mm-hmm. She does the entire ritual. While we sit there, and if, if there's something we need to say or do, then she will put it in, in the ritual. So everybody would know, okay, at this time we say this. So we know to do that. But so it's usually just one person that's leading it and does the whole ritual. What's so the, it's not confusing. What's the purpose of the rituals? Are they like celebrations of the Sabbaths or? Yes. Yes. Some of them are. And, you know, sometimes we do some. Like we uh, are planning on doing one for people that have, you know, some of our coven members have reached out and said, you know, they have been sick. And so they, you know, it's either this or that. So we thought about doing a ritual for healing for our members. So, you know, it's just we we have eight main ones that we do a year. And, and so, you know, like the one that's coming up, it's where, you know, we're getting ready for the fall part of the time to come. So it's to bring in, you know, the cooler weather to bring in all of the positive stuff for the winter or you know, winter or fall and winter months. So it's just a, you know, that's what we look at is how mostly for the weather, what is the positive things we can bring in? And that's what we center our rituals around everything positive. Hmm. So what type of magical t- tools do you use? Do you have like cauldrons and stuff like that? I have a cauldron and I have, uh, oh gosh, I have a, a, a wand, um, several wands. Um, but a, a lot of things that I use, I incorporate it. I've got two brooms and, um, but then I incorporate a lot of my Native American stuff. Mm-hmm. So I use incense, um, you know, I use sage, Palo Santos, uh, you know, just I, I use crystals. So I just bring in a lot of different things into the mixture is the way I do it. And that's what someone told me that since me taking this coven and, and turning it around the way I am before it was on a solid foundation, you know, it was 
this is the way you do it. There's no deviating. With mine, what I'm doing is saying everyone has their own way of doing things. And it's not for me to say because you're using uh, uh, maybe a moon, you know, like a moon piece, um, that that's wrong. To me, it's whatever the person feels. We basically teach you the main important things like the moon phases and, and everything like that. But how you want to practice and what you want to and how you want to practice is really up to you. Mm-hmm. So I don't make it so strict, I guess. Hmm. Do you make and consecrate your own magical tools? Well, I I have before. I have it in a while. Um, but mostly, you know, I use, I call them witches' wands. And uh, everybody got a kick out of that because it's dousing rods. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I have made those myself before. Um, and I put crystals on them. And a lot of people says, you know, we've never seen that before. And actually, it's according to which crystal you put on for what you're working toward. So, you know, and so I'm teaching that to the coven mm-hmm. is that, you know, this crystal and that crystal and all that. But, you know, it's just going to be really different than most covens. Hmm. And how's it being received? Everybody's loving it. They love that it's not so conformed that it that i'm not saying it has to be done this way your way is wrong no see i won't do that because i think we can learn from each other and stuff that i may not know about the other person may and it's not for me to say the way they're doing it is wrong so that's just the way that i see it Hmm. what is it that you think why do you think spells work Well, I mean, like I have done spells for myself because, like I said, I don't use nothing to go against anyone's free will. So, for example, this is crazy, but okay, I was having an issue uh, with I had jammed my finger. And I mean, I had jammed it bad and I was like, I don't want to have to go to the doctor. I don't want to have to do this. And so I said, "Okay, I'm going to do a spell on it. So I gathered up my stuff and I got in my sacred space. I caught up on the archangels and then I used essential oils because I make my own essential oils. And so um, I got my concoction together of essential oils, of sage, of um, sweet grass, just different things I had gathered. I put it in my cauldron and, you know, mixed it all up and let mm-hmm. it sit there. And then I put it onto my finger and I wrapped it. And then the spell that I'd done was to for the healing of the thumb to be, you know, within the next 24 hours. So I left that on all night. The next day I got up and it was completely fine. Wow. So it's just according, you know, I will, like, if you called me and wanted me to say, you said, you know, uh, I want a skull done for bringing in prosperity. Mm-hmm. You're asking for yourself. So I would do that. Um, but I don't do anything about, like you were saying, with love spells. I don't bring in for anyone else. You know, I, don't, I just don't do that. That's against free will. Mm-hmm. And that's when you will get in trouble. What kind of trouble? Well, <laughs> so say you say someone done a spell, a love spell, and say they said, oh, I want Joe to love me. So say a witch, a witch person done that. They done that spell for someone. Well, you're going against the other person's free will. So everything of bad luck will come your way 10 times old. 
So anything disastrous, anything that could go wrong would go wrong because you went against someone's free will. And that is not allowed at all. So I do know of people that practice that way. I don't associate with them. I'm cordial toward them, but no, I, that is just something you just don't want to mess with. Not at all. Have you ever, like, I know you're also a paranormal investigator. Yes. What type of places do you investigate? Well, basically, I have invest, investigated residentials, cemeteries. Um, I have some, you know, went into the bigger field of, you know, going into, like, abandoned buildings, uh, places that are known to be haunted. So it's just a really a, a, a gamble of things, you know, that that I will investigate. Anyone can call me, and if I can get there, I'm going. Hmm. So, how, how do you do it? Do you use, just do it through your mediumship? Do you use like EMF meters and things like that? I do have all of the equipment, and if my team members are with me, then we they will use the equipment. Mm-hmm. And basically, I'll you know I'll do a walkthrough, and I'll say, okay, this is what I felt, this is what I saw, and so then they'll bring in the equipment and they'll place it in the rooms that I picked up stuff, and then that's when we'll start doing an investigation. I usually let the lead investigator handle the, you know, the technical part of everything because I don't know how to use the equipment, to be honest. Uh, so, so uh, you know, and I'm just there to say, okay, you know, if something comes up on on one of the meters, then I can say, okay, well, that's because of this. This is what I'm seeing. So that's basically how we do it. Okay. Do you ever do seances? Yes. Yes, I sure do. I've got a Ouija board. And, uh, you know, Ouija boards have been given a very bad name, in my opinion. It's it's in how you operate the Ouija board. And so I use the Ouija board to do, and, I, and that's when I do seances too, because the Ouija board I have, it's got the standard Ouija board, you know, with the letters, the numbers, and all that. You can turn it over, and it's got a chalkboard. Mm-hmm. And basically, that's very good if, if the what I've noticed when I've, I've taken that to some of the paranormal sites that we've done. And one time there was a child there in one of them, and the child did not like moving to the letters. So I turned it over and I said, then here's the chalkboard. Use this. And they wrote. They wrote how old they were. They wrote their name. So I do do seances. I've had done group seances. And, you know, I do that for families or whoever wants to do it. I've done them online. Just like when you're talking, I've done them like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love doing them. They are so much fun. They are fun. I, we used to do them too. And I used to do paranormal investigations. Oh, wow. Yeah. Have you ever done any physical mediumship where you let your spirit come into your body? A couple of times. It was very rough, um, but I usually let it if it's a child. Say a child wants to come through to their parents or that kind of thing. What I've learned if when it's an adult, sometimes the adults, they don't want to leave. Whereas with a child spirit, you know, you can tell them you have, you know, when I tell you, you need to get out, then you need to. And the child would listen. But I've noticed with adults, Sometimes they don't want to listen. So it, it's very draining. And I usually get a massive headache for days. So I haven't done that in quite some time. 
Hmm. What is it like though? What's it feel like to have a spirit come into your body? And like, where does your consciousness go when they enter you? Well, basically the way it does for me is I can feel them enter and it's more like a, a cold sensation. And then as they're stepping in and going to be taking over, I am in the background, so to speak. I can hear them. I can hear what's being said, but I cannot respond. And I can't respond until they get out. So, you know, it's what I feel is a very cold feeling in my entire body. Hmm. And I think that's why I get such a massive headache because to, it's, it's just very cold. How do you get them to leave? Well, normally they, they know they start feeling like when they take me over, they start feeling when I start getting very uncomfortable. It's almost like you get where you can't breathe. And so they take on that where they can hardly breathe too. So that is their cue. They need to go. And so most of the time they do, but you know, I've had some that refused and that was not fun. So I, you know, I haven't done one of those in a, Oh, probably probably a year or longer due to that reason. How did you get it out? Did you have to have somebody else with you that was able have, to do it for you? Yes, I always usually have someone with me that can assist in case that happens. And usually that's my medicine man. And, he, you know, he knows how to deal with it. He knows what to do. And so that's usually who I have with me on any time I think that's going to transpire. Have you ever been afraid of, like, I mean, I guess you would be afraid because you haven't done it in a year. So I'm assuming that you're afraid that it could happen where even something comes into you and even he can't expel it. That has entered my mind a, a lot. And so, you know, that's why most of the time if it's a child, I don't have a problem with it. Um, because it's more like when a child does it, they will still listen to me, so to speak. Because they can still hear me, but no one else can. And so, you know, a child usually listens to me. But, you know, I've had some adults that just did not want to go. They wanted to stay. And that is where the scary part comes in. Because you're dealing with a spirit. If they go inside you, you give them permission. Then that's where the issue can, can come about. Because they may decide they don't want to leave. And then you're, you've got a situation. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been concerned about maybe like a demonic spirit pretending to be a child so it can get in and then it reveals its true self? Yes. Yes. Uh, I've sort of dealt with something very similar to that. This was probably about 25 years ago, though. And um, there was a child presented itself to me. And, you know, I'm very, very connected to children. That's my weak point, I guess. And so it was telling me that, you know, it needed to speak to its mom and its dad and all of this. And so, you know, I had reached out to the family and they were like, yes, we did lose our daughter. And so I'm like, well, you know, your daughter's here. She's wanting to talk to you. Um, I'm going to allow her to go into me so she can talk to you. And well, I did. And it wasn't her. It was a demonic. And that can happen. Yes, indeed, it can. So what I started after that big ordeal, uh, what I started doing is before I allowed a child, then 
I do have to contact the parents or whomever they're wanting me to contact, and I have to verify certain things. And it's always different. And so because what if they are demonics around and they are listening to you, they learn your pattern so they know how to answer. So I started changing it up. Never do I ask the same questions. So the demonic's not going to know what I'm asking. And so that's one of the ways. Then I do use my witch's wands is what I call them. Uh, and I do ask, you know, is this a demonic? Is this, and then I call in my archangels and all of that. So I just do a totally different thing than I did back 25 years ago. So, <laughs> and it hasn't happened since. So, yeah, I guess so when, when the demon came into you, did it feel different than what it felt like when you do normal mediumship? Yes. Yes. I knew immediately, but I knew it was too late also. But it's more of a more denser feeling, you know, where the other spirits were light. You could barely tell they were there except for the coldness. Whereas with the darker ones, I felt a heaviness, a more dense, like inside of me. And I felt like I started getting a headache, like instantly. And then I started feeling like instead of cold, what I felt was more hotter. You know, it was hot. And I'm like, I am in serious trouble. And, you know, that's and that's the way it is. That's the way I figure out what's what. But I'm, it could be different for other people. But that's what happens for me. How did you get rid of that one? Oh, my gosh. It took me two weeks. And <laughs> um, basically, um, you know. There was a part of me that was inside fighting. I mean, I was really fighting. And so, of course, my medicine man knew. He knew what was transpiring. So what he done is he got a priest and he got uh, several other medicine people. And they done this big ceremony out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and it took them 24 hours to finally get it to the surface. And so then it took another 24 hours to get it out of me, but it was still blending, what I call blending. And that means it stays like with your aura. And then it took another 24 hours to get it distance from there. But they done all kinds of stuff. And then by the time it was all said and done, I was sick for months because it would just really, really, I, I was, I didn't think I was ever going to be the same. But luckily, um, you know, I did get past it. But it, it is a very serious situation. Did you get its name? Yes. And all I will say is it starts with an L. Because if you say, if, if it's actually a demonic, uh -huh. and you say its name, you can bring it back to you. Hmm. And no, that ain't happening. I don't want that thing around me ever again. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was horrible. Oh, my gosh. Even if you typed the name, it would be bad? It's more, you know, some people will say yes. Um, I say more of if you say it. Mm. Um, I don't like to bring it in any way. So I'm just very, very cautious. Where do you think these things come from? Well, to me, uh, the way I see it is that they live up on this earth. They were never human. But you know how some people say that earth is hell? Mm -hmm. I truly, that's the way I see it. 
because these dark things, I see them everywhere I go. And they're just roaming the earth, waiting for some un someone unknowing or waiting for someone that is conjuring. You know, they wait for things. And once they find that person, then here you go. So to me, they have always been on earth. Hmm. So they were here before humans? I That's the way I see it. They were brought, you know, they were here. They were just part of this world. And they never lived as a human. And they just have roamed the earth. And they're just here to cause chaotic and, and, and you know, you name it. And some people will just tempt them you know, they, they, they think they know what they're doing and they don't. And I have dealt with a lot of cases here recently of people thinking they know, and then they conjure these things up and then now they're in serious trouble. Hmm. So, but that is my opinion. I wonder if we invaded their space. You know, I, sometimes I think that too. I do. And it's weird that you say that because I have thought that sometimes because, you know, like when I'm outside, what I see is totally different one than what most people see. You know, I see the sunshine. I see the trees. I see all of this. I see the auras around the trees, around the plants, around the animals. But then once something dark comes through, it's like that area that it passes through gets dimmer. And you know, I, I dealt with a situation where this girl said, she said, I need your help. She says, I was driving by the local cemetery. And she says, I looked over and she says, I don't know. She says, I just felt, felt this weirdness. So I said, okay, I'm going to, I went over to her house. We went over by the cemetery and cause I was like, it could be residual. And so I said, let's go over to the cemetery. Let's see what happens. So we pulled up at the cemetery and instantly there was the dark shadow figures all around our vehicle. So they promulgate more into where cemeteries are. And then they come out from that space, you know, and they venture through. Sometimes they walk through my house, you know, just passing through. I try to ignore them. I try not to look at them. I try not to say nothing. I just want them to go on. Because you don't know until you, until you start messing with them or talking with them, you know, if they're demonic, if they're just dark shadow figures, you know, you don't know. But they hang out around cemeteries? Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I have a friend who just last week, his uh, girlfriend's uh, nephew, um, they were at the cemetery putting flowers on family gravestones. And mm -hmm. when they have a, the boy was like nine years old, and I guess he was hanging off of one of the gravestones, and it fell on him and crushed him to death. Oh, my gosh. So I wonder now, because at first I was like, wow, that's really strange. But if these entities are known for hanging around cemeteries, maybe there could be some kind of paranormal thing behind it. Yeah, and, you know, that's a lot of times in, like, I went to one cemetery and I'll, I go into the gate and I feel this dense heaviness. And then I go on walking through and then there are spirits of light there. And I'm like, what are, what are you doing here? You know, you're supposed to be through the light. And they said, well, you know, when, when we were buried, when we were brought here by our family to be buried, 
you know, we were here just to see that happen. But then there were dark things here Hmm. and it kept us here inside of the cemetery. We were not allowed to go through the light. So I do a lot of going to cemeteries looking for light and then sending those people through and dealing with the dark things that are there, because that's that's one of the reasons they're there is because they're trying to find souls or keep a soul earthbound. Is it because I, I I've seen it? Is it a bad idea to dig up somebody's grave? Very much so. Yes, because not only are you disturbing the sacredness of it. Um, but it's, it's desecrating and see, I have a real huge problem with desecrating, um, because of native, my native American heritage, but you know, that is a sacred spot for that person. And even though if they do go through the light, they see what you're doing and it really is a very bad thing to do because then that soul, you know, it could make it upset or angered. And then they would maybe decide to stay or found. Hmm. So, yeah, I would never, ever do that. Very, very bad. Wow. I had um, interviewed a necromancer once. And, you know, in order to do necromancy, I guess the minimum requirement is you have to have somebody's human skull. Mm -hmm. And... I wasn't aware of it, but apparently to buy a human skull is like $5,000. Oh, my gosh. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're worth a lot of money. And I'm thinking, like, that's a lot of money buried in a cemetery. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That is horrible. It's almost scary. I'm being cremated. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. Oh, wow. So, I guess my idea of going up and out there and digging up bodies is not good. No, that's not good at all. Not at all. But that five grand is really tempting. Yeah, but it's not. Five grand for digging a hole? Yeah, but it's not worth what could come from it. (laughs) No, no, no. If I did this, could I call you to get me out of trouble? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, I never turn nobody away. Never. You know, even if they have done something they shouldn't, I never turn them away. But I'll tell them, you can't be doing this crap. Uh, But I never turn them away, and I will do everything I can to help them. But, you know, there has been times I couldn't. And so then that's when I call in a priest or a medicine person, and they have to handle it. But, yes, I would help you, but don't go do that. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I told my wife about the idea. She wasn't thrilled with it either. No, I wouldn't be either. I'd be telling you no. <laughs> no way. But I'm like, I'm like five grand. That's like, oh my god, that's a trip to the Bahamas. <laughs> yeah, but it could be your last trip too. So let's not do that. <laughs> oh Lord. Interesting. It's wild. <laughs> it is. It really is. I know. I mean, there are yeah. people that do it. You know? I know. Like the necromancer yeah. I, I interviewed, he, he does have, well, he didn't really quite completely admit it, but, you know. Right. He has what he needs to do his art. Well, I'm glad I wasn't on because I'd be going, I'd be losing it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so what else or like what is the spiritual side of the religion or 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 the practice you know um i mean i i've talked to some people that are into magic and things and they're like oh there's nothing really spiritual about it and others say it, it is all spiritual it is all about improving yourself and trying to improve the lives of others Right. And, and I do see spirituality being a very big part of the way I practice, because to me, you know, things that I try to bring forth or the things I try to do to help others, I don't say it's me. It, it's, it's coming through through me. I'm the vessel. And, and this, you know, this is coming from from the creator. And that's the to me, it's very, very spiritual. And like you said, there are some people that say, no, it's not spiritual at all. But the way I do it and the way I see it, it is very spiritual because I call in the archangels. You know, I call in, I even call in the creator and, and, you know, they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, this is the way I do it. And so to me, it's very spiritual. And, you know, I'm trying to teach this to my husband and because he comes from Tennessee and he's a Christian. And, and so it's, it's been really a wild ride trying to get him to see my way of thinking. But I tell him, you know, you can think the way you want. You can have your religion. You can do, I will not disrespect anyone's religion, but don't disrespect mine because then you're going to get it. Right. But, but Christians from the South are pretty hardcore. Oh, I know. Yes. And see, I was raised in Tennessee in a Christian home. And when I started saying and talking to spirits and, you know, they grabbed me up, took me to church after church, saying I had a a demon in me and, and all of this stuff. And I'm like, you guys are crazy. You're just crazy. And so then once I got, I mean, I ran away from home. And, you know, they wasn't my real family, but I didn't know that at the time. And um, but once I got 18, I got away from that crazy bunch of people and I started being who I am. And then that's when I found my real mom oh, and wow. family. How, how did you find your real family? It's really a long roller coaster. Um, so basically, I moved from Tennessee to Arizona and... Um, I started working at a newspaper and I was selling ads. I was writing articles. And so I went out onto the reservation and to see if they wanted to do some ads and stuff. And I'm walked in there and I was, I told him I need to speak to the marketing person. And so I'm sitting in her office waiting and she comes in and she just starts staring at me and I'm like, oh boy, what is her problem? And so she sits down and I'm sitting there just talking away and she goes, hush. And I'm like, I looked at her real funny and she goes, you're my daughter. And I'm like, you have lost your mind. And she goes, you are my daughter. She says, you were born August 6th, 1968. She says, you have a birthmark on the back of your right leg. And I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, how does she know this? And so we went and done blood work. And it came back that she was 99.99% my mom. And then she told me what happened was, 
1968, she gave birth to me in Winslow, Arizona. And I, it was me and I had a twin brother. And she says, I weighed four pounds. My brother weighed six pounds. She said they told her that I was sick. I was jaundiced. She had to leave me and come back for me in a week. So she said, in a week, she came back and they told her I had died. She said they never provided my remains or anything. So when I met her, this is everything she told me. And, and she says, I knew you were not dead. I knew it. She said, I felt it. And so what we ended up learning is that they took me from that hospital, sent me down to Florida, up into Kentucky, and down into Tennessee, where this family adopted me or took me or however you want to see it. And I was there all of my life. And then when I got married, um, and my husband was from Arizona, he, he was in Tennessee visiting, and we met, we got married, we moved out here, I went to that newspaper, started working there, and that's how I met my real family. That's incredible. So, why would somebody steal a baby? Well, was I there was money making, involved? Were you like sold? Yes, I was sold, and and that's what they done back in that time. Is they would take Native American children, and they would sell them, and we're called lost birds, and. Um, so, you know, I was all excited and I was like, I got a twin brother. And um, so I go out to her house for the very first time and I meet my dad and I and then I walk in and I go, Mom, who is that? And she goes, that is your twin brother. Oh, my God. The reason it was such a big deal. The weekend before mm -hmm. I was at a rodeo out on the reservation and I was doing, you know, doing pictures and all that stuff. And. He came up to me and was trying to get me to go out with him. And it was my twin brother. It was <laughs> hilarious. It was so hilarious. And and so, you know, and I was like, Mom, and I told her, and she was looking at me. I was like, well, I didn't know. And, you know, it was hilarious. But that part of it was um, I only got to know my mom for six months. Mm. She got leukemia, and she passed away. Mm. And then my twin brother got the same leukemia, and he passed away in 2015. And so now it's just me and my dad. So it's that was one of the hardest things I've ever went through because me and my twin brother got so close. You still but, able to communicate with him as a medium? Yes, yes, he does come. I mean, especially whenever I'm having a very hard time or missing him a lot. And, and all I got to do is say, what would you do, Ron? What would you do? And then here, he'll be right here. And then he helps guide me through whatever I'm dealing with. So, I mean, that is the good part of it. But it still isn't the same. Right. Because, you know, I can't hit him. You know, I can't punch him or, you know, slap him. And, and you know, that's, that's the part that I really miss the most. Wow. Is being able to pick at him. <laughs> wow so with the mediumship how like do you just see spirits around people or do you have to tune into them how's that work oh boy my mediumship is where they are constantly around i mean 
most mediums will shut it down for periods of time. I can't, I won't do that because I feel like, well, what if there's a child? What if there's a child spirit and they're needing my help and I've got myself shut down and I can't, no, I can't do it. But everywhere I go, just like us sitting right here, there's mm -hmm. a spirit standing here waiting to talk to me. It's a constant. They wake me up in the middle of the night. You know, it, it's just, but, you know, a prime example is I was asleep one night and it was about three o'clock in the morning and I felt this coldness like touch my arm and I jolted and I looked and there was a little girl standing by my bed and I, I raised up and I said, what's wrong? And then she says, well, I don't know. She says, I'm not, I'm not in my body. She says, I seen my body, but I'm not in it and I don't know what to do. And what had happened not far from where I live, there was an automobile accident and a little girl got killed. And so she, and I'm like, you know, and I've asked many spirits, why do you come to me? It seems like there's a lot, an influx. And they're like, your light. I'm like, my light. And they're like, your light is very bright. In the spirit world, you can just, you're, you're almost like a beacon. Your light is so bright and it shines and, and that's what we see. So we draw near to it. And and I've had, I don't know how many spirits tell me that same thing. So I just cannot, but I do see them. I hear them. I feel them. Like when she came, she, she had a big cut in her neck. I felt that I was having a hard time breathing. Um, you know, I see like if they come to me right when they pass, say they're in an automobile accident, whatever they look like when law enforcement finds them mm -hmm. is what I see. Wow. So sometimes it's really, you know, but I always stay calm in it. And I talk to them like, I don't see what I'm seeing mm -hmm. because I want to keep them calm and let them trust in me. And I've learned to do that over all these years. So uh, are you able to do that kind of stuff? Like the long Island psychic. A lot of people has compared me to her. A matter of fact, and see, I help law enforcement. I have families, you know, for missing, murdered, uh, you know, what cold cases. Um, like right now, I'm working on one, which I can't go much into, but um, I'm working one right now with, with law enforcement. And so we're hoping we find a closure to that very soon um, with the things that I picked up. And, and, you know, it's just weird things sometimes, like, Okay, I, I'll tell you this one. Um, there was a drowning. And um, they had been looking for this little girl for weeks. And some of the family come to me and said, do you pick up anything? So they sent me her picture. And I can touch pictures. I can touch objects. And I immediately get stuff. And I'm like... I said, she is in that lake, but it's further down. Well, you know, we talked and I talked to law enforcement. Well, then probably hours later, the little girl appears to me. She's soaking wet. She's standing here and she's just dripping. And I look at her and I said, you're the little girl that drowned. She shook her head. And I said, where are you? I said, where is your body? She goes like this. And in one hand was an orange. And another hand was like a Native American statue. And I'm like, I have no clue what this means. 
So I reached out to law enforcement. I said, the little girl's here. You know, some of the law enforcement, they're op- some are open, some are very close-minded. And I said, just listen to me, is all I asked. I said, she's standing here. I said, in one hand, she's holding an orange. In the other hand, she's holding like a Native American statue. I said, I do not know what that has to do with anything. And he's like, hold up, hold up. He says, in the river, he says, there is an area called Orange Peel. He says, right around from Orange Peel is Indian Bend. And I said, that's where her body is. Within two hours, they found her remains in the area of Indian Bend. Wow. So, and see, I had no clue what it meant other than this is what she's showing me. So... It, it's just always different, really, with every situation, with every case. I had a family because law enforcement would not. The family felt law enforcement was not helping them. So they reached out to me and I said, can you bring me something that I can touch a curse? Because they lived here where I do. So they did. It was a ring. And, and you know, it was it was something. It was her their sister. She just she was missing. So I touched the ring. And they were standing there, and I immediately I jolted like I shook. And they're like, what is wrong? I said, did you go to her house or apartment or wherever she lives? I said, there's something about the door being ajar. I said, there, I said you found this ring laying in the floor that you give me. And she looks at me. She says, yes. And I said, okay. I said, just give me a second. So I'm sitting there, and I'm holding. And then, then they brought a shirt. So I'm holding the ring and I'm holding the shirt. And then I see this vision of she's sitting on the side of the road in her car. I said, well, there's something with her car. And I said, she's on the side of the road. I said, wait a minute. I said, there's two males walking up to the car. And then I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, my God. I said, they took her. I said, these two males took her. I said, one of them took the car, her car. And she says, where? And I said, just just give me a minute. So I'm sitting there and I'm doing my thing. And I said, I see a green sign and a yellow sign. I said, the yellow sign says dead end. I said, the, and then there's the green size sign says prim view, prim something. I said, I know it says prim and I think it's view. And I said, did, did law enforcement ping her phone? I said, because what I'm seeing is if they did, they found her phone in a totally different area because they took her phone and they threw it away. And she said, yes, they did. They did find it, but it was just in an area they had no clue because there was nothing around that area. And I said, well, she's on this dead end road. I said, it's a small, I said, like a mobile home. And I said, it's pretty run down. I said, and behind it is like, I said, for lack of really seeing it clearly, I said, it looks like a barn or some kind of shed or something like that. I said, she's inside there. I said, but she's not going to last long. I said, I'm getting something. She's a diabetic or she's needing medicine. And and her mom said, yes, she is a severe diabetic. And she left with nothing. And so her mom said, I'm going down. I said, but I am seeing it, it's south. It's south of here. And I said, it's it's more in a bigger city, but not 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 real big, but a bigger city. And I said, what is it with the name? I said, yeah, I think it's Jose. And 
She's like, that's her favorite place she'd like to eat, somewhere that she'd like to go, and it's called Jose's. And I said, it's in that area. And so they knew where that was. So they started, they went down there, they started driving. They found a marker uh, for a road, and it said Primview. They turned on it. It was a dead end. They said they drove all the way to the back end of that road. Sure enough, she says, they call me. They said, Melinda, there is a mobile home here. There is like a, a shack or something out behind it. And I said, it's big enough for her car to be. I said, her car's in there too. And I said, but call law enforcement. They said, I said, just call them. Luckily, those people were not there. They went on into the back. They opened up those doors and there she was barely alive, but she was alive. And, you know, of course they got ambulance and all of that. But so, you know, things are just different. Every case is different, but that's what I enjoy doing the most is helping solve cases or missing or whatever. Wow. That's incredible. So, and that's what I've been doing today. Most of the day is helping law enforcement Mm -hmm. on a case and I'm like, and I was telling them stuff, and they were like, oh, my God, because, you know, it's in places I've never been, and I'm just saying, this is what I see, and I, I don't know what it is, and but they do, so, and they may be having me to go to where this happened, so they're going to have to fly me and everything to get me there, but that's what they're looking at at this point. Hmm. Wow. So I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know sometimes, but this is this is me. This is right. who I am. You saved that girl's life. And I mean, her, the ring that they brought me when I was helping them look for her, I still got the ring. They wanted me to keep it. Mm-hmm. They said, you know, that is something that we feel should be yours. And, you know, I'm like, well, you know, no, no, no. And they're not, no. And then the girl wanted me to have it. She says, that will always mean we're connected. And she said, you saved me. She says, I would have died. And I'm like, well, it's the creator. The creator gives it to me to give to help. Did they catch said, the so, people that took her? Yes. Finally. Why yes. did they do it? They seen her sitting on the side of the road. She was having a diabetic attack. You know, her sugar was low. So she had pulled over to eat something. And they come up started talking to her and she said she told him you know she's fine and and that she was just having something to eat real quick and she said before she could get her door locked they opened it mm-hmm. and they took her and it was late at night and we, they were like you know her family was like well why did you leave why did you leave you know the door ajar why did you know what made you leave so suddenly and she says well she says you know it and she was having problems with her boyfriend at the time. And he had threatened to come over to her house. So she was just trying to frantically get away. Mm-hmm. So she said she just grabbed what she could and she took out and just headed far away. She didn't want him to have any contact with her. And not thinking, you know, what would that make her family think? And and I told him, I said, but when she left, I told him that. I said, I don't feel it was because somebody forced her to leave. I said, it's more like she she was feeling overwhelmed and she needed to, you know, get away for a while. And but then when I started picking, filling up her shirt, 
that's when I seen this, what happened. And I'm like, but oh my God, somebody does have her. So, you know, it went from at first me thinking she just was upset, trying to just get away for a while to boom, no, this happened. So you never know. You never know. Were they going to kill her? Is that why they took her just to kill her? She said that, you know, they hadn't really been that mean to her that, you know, she told him that she needed her medication and they, they really didn't believe her. And she said, you know, they were doing sexual things toward her. Mm -hmm. And, but she said they never indicated they were going to harm her, kill her, but they told her she was not going to leave. So, you know, she says, I don't know. And then by the, you know, by the time we found her, which was like, it took the family brought me in and she'd been missing like three or four days already. And so, you know, if she had went much longer without her insulin, then she would have probably have passed. Hmm. So these guys are in jail now, I hope. Yes. Yes, they are. Yep. And, you know, they, you know, they were saying they were just trying to help her, but, you know, that don't add up people, but uh, to help someone and say, okay, I'll take you to wherever, you know, your family or whatever, not sure. take you to their house and put you in a barn or a shed and yeah take her to, I mean, take her to cvs or something yes exactly exactly <laughs> so i don't know but it it all ended well so that was the most important wow that's incredible um how about like people's loved ones can you see like people's loved ones like contact like people's deceased relatives yes yes i do that i get a lot of requests for that and basically you know, what I, like, I just done one, let's see, today's Thursday. I done one on Monday night. And it was a family that their son passed suddenly. They had no clue. And um, so it was the mother, the father, and the sister. And they wanted to contact him. And so, you know, what I do is I tell them I need a picture of him and I need first name. Mm-hmm. So then what I do to bring the spirit forth is I do my Native American ceremony and I use my drum because I can play the drum. I can play the flute and I use those two instruments because it goes to a higher vibration. And, and so then I set their picture with a candle and I light the candle and I'm chanting their name, drumming, doing the flute and the spirit will usually comes forth. And so you know, I do that quite often for a lot of people. Hmm. So, so these spirits that uh, when they come to you, where are they coming from? Did he ever tell you what it's like for them to be dead? Everyone that comes to me in the light, they are like they're at peace. You can tell they're totally at peace. You can tell they're totally happy. You can tell there's no pain or suffering. Um, and the, and you see, I, I have passed a couple of times and I've seen heaven. And so, you know, what, what they tell me, and then I compare it to what I saw. And it's basically what they say is it's very beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's, it's like an image of earth, but it's much brighter and there's nothing poisonous there. There's nothing, you know, of anything mean on the other side. And when I passed, 
I seen heaven. And it is Well, let's, let's, let's back up a second. How did you okay. die? What happened? Well, I did twice. Okay. And uh, the first time I was seven, nearly eight, in the family that was raising me, I told them I wasn't feeling well. I was running a fever. I said, I don't know what's wrong, but I'm not feeling well. And they ignored it. Well, then late that night, I was I woke up and I was looking and I seen this funny looking spirit. And the reason I say funny looking, it was like white, but it had these two huge black eyes. And I, I had never seen nothing like that before as far as a spirit. And I was like, what is going on? It couldn't, it didn't really talk, but it would make faces and it would point toward the car. And so by morning, I was very, very sick. So they did take me to the hospital and I had to go in for emergency surgery and what had happened was I had a bowel obstruction and it had, there was a lot of um, bile and stuff that had backed up. And what this thing was trying to tell me was that I was very sick. Mm -hmm. I needed to go to the hospital. And so at that time, as they were doing the surgery, they said they lost my heartbeat, no activity for two minutes. I don't, I vaguely remember seeing the light. Now, when I got older, I was pregnant with my, my first baby and there was a lot of complications and they had to do emergency C-section and afterwards, you know, I was very sick and then they couldn't figure it out. And some of the, even some of the nurses would come in my room and tell me that I was just being a baby that I didn't want to feed my, my newborn. I needed to really get my butt up and do this. And I'm like, you're wrong. You know, I wanted this baby. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm just not feeling well. Well, it got to the point they were not listening to me. And, and then I don't know, I felt this funny feeling. And I called the nurse and I said, please get my husband here. So she called his work, told him that I was saying I needed him. He came immediately. I seen him and I said, this is not going to end well. I said, please do not let our son forget about me. Let him know about his mom. I said, because I'm not going to make it through this. And then I went into like a coma or they, my husband told me I stopped breathing. They came in there. They done, you know, everything they could to resuscitate me. They did get a heart back, but it, I was out. I was gone for 15 minutes. And in that 15 minutes, what I remember, I remember coming out of my body and I remember looking down at my husband in my body. And then I seen the light. I was very drawn to it. So I went through and it's like a tunnel, a white tunnel is what I saw. And I went through it. And I went for a little ways and I started seeing people, you know, family, um, friends that had passed. And then you go straight to your life review. I got into the life review, started it, and then I was pulled back. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, I don't want to go back because it was so peaceful. It was so beautiful. And it was like you were free when, you know, once you go through your transitioning you're free. You can just do what, you know, 
really anything. You can choose to come back, be reborn. You can choose to, you know, be a spiritual guide. You can choose to be, you know, just all kinds of different things. And I was like, I don't want to go back. And the voice I heard was my child. It is not your time. You've got too much to do. You're going back. And then I seen myself coming right back through that light and then back into my body. So you got sent back against your will. Sort of. Sort of. I mean, um, you know, he, he was just the voice I heard was just like, there's too many people that you've got to help. There's too many people that is needing you to be there. Mm-hmm. And 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 I'm like, well, you know, I, I was like, well, my son. Yes. I said, I, I know I just had a baby and, and I love my baby, but. It was just so hard. It was like a tearing of of wanting to, but not wanting to. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's not your time. It's not your time. You've got to go back. And so then I came back. I don't know. No, it sounds like it's not fair. Like, it's like, well, hey, you know, like, I'd be like, I'd argue with him. Like, Come on, man. I got free will. I'm not going well, anywhere. You know, and I did feel that, and, you know, and I know that the energy there also felt that. And, 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 you know, it was just like, do you want to help people? Do you want to be there to raise your son? You know, they were trying to show me the positive things. And there was like, there's going to be an incident where your son's going to need you. And if, it, you know, it could lead to his passing, you know, so they show you the things that could be. Mm-hmm. And it's not for say they push you to go back. They just show you and say, you know, you do have free will, but it, you know, they do give you that option. But once I heard something about my baby, I'm like, I'm, I'm in, I'm in, I'm going back, you know, and it was just like instantly I was back Hmm. and it was really weird. And, you know, and, and my husband, I was like, what happened? And what it ended up being, I had blood clots. I had a pulmonary embolism. And it was a horrible time, but I got through it. Wow. I really dread ever having to go through a life review. (laughs) I think most people do. I mean, I, I would probably just try to live as long as I possibly can to avoid it. Well, it's not that bad. I mean, really, it's not. I mean, uh, you, you haven't you, you haven't you, quite lived my life, though. Well, that's true. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, it goes. It, what you see is basically what you have done to other people. Right. Any hurt, any pain, mm-hmm. anything that you have caused that's bad. Mm-hmm. But you will also also will see the good you done. Mm. And then the reason you have to do that is because you've got to learn. There's a lesson. Did you learn the lesson that you were sent here to learn? Of course And not. that's what you, and so that's what see, I mean. It, they're they're going to go over this stuff. And I'm going to be like, no, I didn't learn nothing. I ain't going back either. Yeah, and see, it is an option. You, you, <laughs> you are not forced to come back. So... <laughs> <laughs> you're you're hilarious. You're you are hilarious. <laughs> I just dread it, you know. I mean I especially especially this particular lifetime, you know. I've... Right. 
chose to live sort of a life of debauchery rather than anything else. I mean, that's the benefit of having a physical body. Right, right, yes. You know, I mean, I always kind of look at it as like, you know, if I still have money and friends when I die, then I didn't live life to its fullest. Mm, okay. <laughs> it's not that bad. It really isn't. I mean, a lot of people are afraid of the last review. Yeah, God's going to punish me. No, 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 no. It's just to let you see. So you can answer. Did I learn the lesson that I was, that when I went there, when I chose to go there as this person, be born as this person, did I accomplish the, the lessons that I was supposed to? Right. If I was given a choice to live this life, it would have been strictly for fun. Right. I understand. No other reason why I would come here. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I know what you're saying. <laughs> I do. Trust me, I do. So. I didn't sign on for all the extra stuff. But it's there, isn't it? Sometimes I think maybe I was tricked. Oh, now listen to this. You were not tricked. I think they tricked me. I I, I think like, like like before my life, right, they said, Oh, look at this life, man. You can, it's all sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and it, it's just going to be awesome. And then you get here, and it's like, what the hell? I'm, I'm stuck working for the man for the rest of my life. It's a crap. Right. I, <laughs> right. I, I understand, but um, there's something, there was a reason for you to do what you're doing now. So there is a lesson in that. Yeah. We may not understand it. God tricked me. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no. Well, well. I'll find no. out. <laughs> yeah, sooner or later you will. But, uh, you know, it's just like, you know, like I said, my, my husband, you know, he was Christian and and he was like, you know, really skeptical um, of things that that he's seen go on around me and all this. And then in 2018, he had a massive heart attack and got him there, lifted out of here and they took him down to the Valley. And, um, I got down there and the doctor's like, he's got a 2% chance of making it. And I'm just like, what? Because he was not having any of the typical signs, not, you know, not chest hurting, mm -hmm. you know, none of that. And then they told me they was going to bring him out. I could see him briefly. They had to take him to ICU. And then it would be a while before I could come back there. So I got to see him briefly. And then I had to go sit in the waiting room. And it was like 1 o'clock, 1 something in the morning. And I'm sitting there and I'm crying. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I hear this IV pole coming down the hallway. And I glance up, and there's this guy, and he has on a, a gown. And what stood out to me the most was his sandals. They were the weirdest-looking sandals I had ever seen. I had never seen them like them. And I look over at him, and he looks at me, and then he turns, comes over to me. Me and him's the only one in the waiting area. And he goes, my child, he says, what has happened? 
And then I started telling him and I said, you know, my husband's had a heart attack. And I said, you know, my previous husband that I was with, that's the father of my children, he passed away. And I said, and I said, and the thing of it is, is he passed away on October 4th. I said, what is today? I said, it's October 5th. And I said, and here's my second husband looking like it's, he's not going to make it. And I said, I, I don't know what to do. And, and he's like, my child have faith. And I'm like, have faith. I said, it's, it's hard to have faith sometimes. And he's like, that's what you've got to have. You have faith and everything will be okay. He stands up and, and I said, well, thank you for stopping and talking to me. And he says, remember, have faith, my child. He starts walking down the hallway and I look at him and I said, where's your room? I said, I'll keep you updated on him. And he says, you go down here. He says, you take the first left. He says, and my room's the first right. I said, okay, thank you. I will let you know tomorrow. He goes on. And then I was like, I didn't get his name. So I get up and I start walking down that hall and I turn left. And then I was like, the right was a closet. And I'm sitting here going, so there was a worker that came through there and I said, is there patients rooms down here? She goes, no, honey. She says, this is just all for maintenance. And she says, closets. And I know that was an angel. And then I started thinking about it and the shoes, the sandals. I've never seen any sandal like that before. And they were like all made out of wood and the wood was all twisted. It was like twigs. And it was just, and then I went, I was trying to figure it all out. And I went down to the gift shop because their gift shop was open 24 hours. And I go inside and, and I'm looking around and I see those little rocks. And on this rock, it said faith. And I'm like, well, that's what he told me I had to have. So I picked that rock up and I went up to the counter and I said, I want to buy this. And, and she's like, where did you find that? I said, well, there's a basket of rocks over there and I said you know they have hope you know faith I said this is the only one I found with faith and she says we don't carry those and so I go over there with her the rocks are not there but here I have this one in my hand and she goes it's yours she says I don't know where it came from but it's yours and and my husband made it because I turned and I said I'm gonna have faith so faith is one of my big words. And so it's just weird things that like that, that also happen that I can't explain. Wow. So he's still alive? Yes. That's good. Very, he's still sick, but uh, he's got a lot of issues. Um, you know, he got his stage five renal failure. Uh, he lost one of his eyes. He's got a prosthetic eye. He's going blind in the other eye. So, you know, it's, He's still here, though. And I told him, that's all that matters. I said, we'll get through whatever else. I said, you're still here. So shut your mouth. And I mean, he'll just laugh his head off at me because because he'll start in saying, oh, I think I'm a burden. I'm like, just shut your mouth and get over yourself. And, you know, and so, and but he's still here. And that happened in 2018. So. Does he remember anything from when he passed away? Not that he's told me. He. He, he says he wants to see spirit. And like I told him, I said, everything, 
everyone has gifts. Everyone can tune in. I said, but you've got to have the open mind. And he's tried meditations. He's tried all kinds of stuff, but he, he cannot shut down to, to let the clearing come. And that's what you've got to do to be able to see spirit. And he's like, well, I don't see you doing that. I said, well, I've done this for so long. I said, I've done this since I was seven years old. I said, that's the earliest I can remember. And I said, so it's like second nature to me. And, and so, but he doesn't talk about it. He doesn't talk about his heart attack and I don't push the issue. I don't say anything. Hmm. So. Wow. You had quite a life. I'm telling you, it's been crazy. Let me tell you. <laughs> it really has. No coincidences, though. I know. Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's really weird. It is weird. Mm-hmm. But I've I've helped so many spirits, and I feel that was my biggest job, is to help spirits. Hmm. And, and the living, because I do help a lot of living from when they've lost loved ones and that kind of thing. So, wow. like the current case I'm working on, I'm hoping to bring closure for that family. And that's very important to me. And so it's just a matter of if I'm going to have to be flown to the location or not. But only time will tell. Hmm. You've also written a book. Yes. What's the book about? Like I saw the cover of it. It just had like a, a hot Indian guy on it. Okay, yes. I Let me see. Do I have this here? <laughs> I don't know if I do. I thought I had them over here, but I may not. I don't know where I put them. But, okay, the latest one is uh, Spirit. Uh, Spirit. I'm not going to. Is Death Beads. And so Death Beads is based on Native American. It is fiction, but I do incorporate a lot of the language, a lot of the stories. Um, that one is about um, Apache Navajo. And and so I just, it's a murder mystery. So just, you know, and I do use paranormal in it. So like there's a shapeshifter. Mm -hmm. And so I go into that. Uh, and then the other one, um, Lakota Justice, it's based on the Lakota. And I use a lot of their stories, a lot of their language and, um, and it's basically about a murder mystery also, um, but it, it's to basically I wrote those to try to keep the language alive, mm -hmm. the stories alive. And um, but I'm currently working on one that is going to be nonfiction and one is on witchcraft and one is on mediumship. Awesome. So wow. what are those going to be out? Well, oh, Lord, as soon as I can get them wrote, because, uh, you know, um, I don't get to work on them every day. Um, so, because, you know, dealing with law enforcement cases, then I help paranormal teams. Uh, so I get to work on them as I can. But I'm hoping within a year. Hmm. Because I'm halfway through writing each of them. And so I'm hoping that at least one of them would come out within a year. Wow. When I saw the cover of the Lakota one, I was like, oh, she writes porn. No, I would not. Listen, he just thought nothing, though. I wish I could find it. That's what I thought. I saw it. Yeah, I mean, and, and see that my publisher, she was like, see, I wanted a scene, like a, like a scene of uh, the reservation. And she's like, 
well, you know, if we put a hunky man on there and I'm like, oh my God. And so then she sent me the proof of it. And I'm like, oh yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> and, and, and so, and you know, it's really funny. The cover does make a difference in yourself. Yeah. And, but no, it's a murder mystery. No. Okay. There's no, you know, porn in it at all. No, no, no. Oh, at first I was like, oh, maybe I'll read this. Oh my god! Oh my god! Well, now you will learn a lot. We'll learn a lot about their ways and and you know, like the burden basket, and you know, there's all kinds of different stuff in there that is a lot of people loved because mm-hmm. it was like I wouldn't have known that. And so, but, but if you're looking for porn, it's not the book. It, it's not the place to look. No, <laughs> but the cover says otherwise. Yes, it does. It's, it's, he, he, that's the main character, and he's a tribal officer. So they wanted the tribal officer to really look good. So, so no, 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 no porn. No, no, no. <laughs> Man, I wish I could find the book. I wanted to show everybody. <laughs> I don't see. I got all these books, and it drives me nuts sometimes. But this is all my research and mm-hmm. and everything that I do. I mean, I've got books everywhere because I do a lot of research on anything that I'm doing. And now I can't find my dad dang book, so um, <laughs> didn't think much about it, or I would have looked before we'd have got on. But I could have swore I had them up here because I had done other interviews. Well, there's that one. There's Death Deeds. Maybe this is it. Hold on. Oh, gosh. Let's hope it is. Nope, ain't it. But here's here's the latest one. Anyway. And so. Hmm. A dream catcher. But, yeah, it's a dream catcher. Because in the book, the officer, it all centers around a dream catcher. Pretty cool. So, But I can't find the hunky one. So here we are. <laughs> So, so before we wrap it up, <laughs> where can my listeners find you? I know you have a couple websites. Yes, I've got um, the Coven website is um, EnchantedCircleOfWitches.org. And then um, my mediumship website is Enchanted Psychic Visions. Um, and I think it's, don't ask me, but if you type in my name and put Enchanted Psychic Visions, you'll find me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I always forget if it's org or com or whatever it is. Uh, And of course, I'm on Facebook under my name. Um, And then I do have groups on Facebook, like my Enchanted Psychic Visions. I do have a group on there about that. I'm on Instagram, Twitter. Um, I'm fixing, on August 27th, I'm going to be doing a, a live mediumship spirit connections for people right. in in person so that's coming up um but that's about everywhere that i'm at that, I'm, that i can remember that i am i could be other places and just don't remember it <laughs> well that happens i'll post whatever links i can find in the notes of this episode so my listeners can contact you okay. um if they need your help or anything like that that would I'll be also great check out your books maybe join the coven Yes, is everyone's it, Is the coven just women? No, it, it can be anyone, man, male or female. Um, the males work to be a high priest, whereas, you know, the females, their biggest thing is to be a high priestess. Hmm. Cool. So, yeah, everyone's welcome. 
I always preferred the all-female coffins. Oh. That just dance around naked. Oh, okay. I get it. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you never know. You know, all of us, we're all in a different state. And so I told him it would be great if we could actually all meet yeah. and have, you know, at least once or twice. And so, you know, maybe in the future when some of this with the COVID and that stuff is more calmer and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. But you never know. Well, things are starting to chill out now. Yeah, it is. It's starting doing a lot better. Thank the Lord. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again for being on. It was fun talking to you. And hang on for one moment while I play my outro. Okay. And it was an honor to be here. Thank you. It was an honor to talk to you. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need, and it's on Amazon. It'll change your life, because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you love what you listen to, don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe.